Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 13. Lucky number 13. I guess if you're me. Fun fact, I was born on Friday the 13th. No word of a lie at 7.47 p.m., which probably explains my weird obsession with horror movies and airplane travel. This week, we have longtime friend, I've known him since I worked in the AHL, Simon Bennett, at Sports Voice Guy on Twitter and on Instagram. His voice can be heard on Fan 590, 680 News, and sometimes rolling over highlights on Sportsnet. But first, let's get into the details of the Stringer Big Weekend Friday. Actually, I'm really excited for this weekend because I'm promoting the event of one of my friends. Friday night. We've got After Hours Comedy Show. It's 11.30 p.m. It's a late one at the Comedy Bar, 945 Bloor Street West. And that's right across from the Ossington subway station. Empire Comedy presents a fun night of stand-up with a bunch of Toronto comedians. I don't think I read that right, but it sounds fun. Correct? Correct. Tickets are only $7, and you can get them by going to comedybar.ca. Saturday, Puck Talks presents Jack and Soph Live. 6 p.m. at the Rec Room, 255 Bremner Boulevard. Now, both of them, Jackie Redman and Sofia Yurtskovich, I'm going to butcher your last name, I'm sorry, but we're still friends, right? I've known them, it's got to be as long as I've been in sports, pushing 10 years, something like that. We go way back, and I'm so excited. They've started this new thing where Jackie is in New York and Sophia is in Toronto, but they blog back and forth, and their Instagram is hilarious, and I can just imagine the lively liveliness of this live event at the Rec Room. I'm pretty excited. So join Jackie and Sophia for a special pregame puck talks and say to watch the Leafs take on the Caps on their giant cinema-sized screen. That's at the Rec Room. The event is free. It's not actually Jackie's or Sophia's giant cinema-sized screen, though it would be pretty sweet. The event is free, but registration is required, which you can do by going to this really complicated longticketailor.com slash stuff, stuff, stuff URL. Or if you just want to check on our Twitter, we're going to be promoting it all week. That's at Stringer Podcast on Twitter. Sunday, the Toronto Toy Video Game and Vinyl Record Show. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Toronto Plaza Hotel. That's 1677 Wilson Avenue. Sounds a little bit like uh, hipster's paradise, right? But it's hard to expect that I'm going to shy away from a toy video game show. Come on. I am just a grown child who likes to spend his money on figurines. There are a few things I'm on the hunt for, nothing crazy collector-like. You know, I'm not going for original Star Wars stuff unless there's someone really nice out there that wants to donate some. But I think, you know what, I'm looking at those early Ninja Turtle toys. 
because I, I, I had a few of them growing up and I think I, I want a couple of those for my office or maybe those 80s Batman toys. Like they're the ones with like one single action where you press a lever and then you get like a chop or you squeeze the legs and their and their torso twists back and forth. I think I'm going to be on the hunt for those that Sunday again, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Toronto Plaza Hotel, the one near the 400 and 401. Yes, all of that is amazing and you can check it out. TorontoToyShow.com. Okay, I've spent enough of your time. Let's get this puppy running. Simon Bennett coming up. This is one of those three interviews that I said were kind of held for a little while. So they might be not as timely, but it's still just as great. Talking about Simon and his past and our past and uh, where things are at. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good time. That coming up right after a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor, of course, is The Sax. Oh, what? Maybe. I just had Taylor uh, Scholl here. Oh my god. Chatting and your name came up, which is absolutely amazing. That guy is. Taylor's the best because he uses art. recycled articles, quotes from me from two years ago, and then he, from everybody else, and he just kind of redoes them into like a new article. Does he? Yeah. I love how he puts that it was on Global. Well, actually, it kind of was, but. On Global? Yeah, so, The Score used to do Global Sports for Global News. Okay. And uh, so I was one of the guys who hosted it. I didn't do it very much. Um, there's other guys that this is a soft start anyway the podcast is just supposed to be you know conversations starting we're already recording what well, we started already this is simon my Bennett mic was on my lap on already. the podcast hello welcome Thank you. this is lovely um, one day when you get your tv hung up on the wall the, the office would look lived in but nice look, high ceilings though it's crazy high aren't they yeah that was half of what sold me is i think they're 14 foot ceilings and exposed beams which it like it gives it the lodgy feel like i feel like i'm either downtown toronto or i am in aspen you are totally on hipster queen street what it is also good for is it takes the noise up so echo, like if we had standard eight foot ceilings, yeah, yeah, the echo would be way worse. Yeah, it's not like in Trolls when there's Cloud Guy. You probably it's not, seen Trolls. I like have it. not actually. It's on my. Believe it or not, it is on my to watch list on Netflix. Cloud Guy just talks like this, 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 but does it himself. It's like <laughs> Echo Guy. <laughs> he does his own Echo. My my movies from the last two years are all kids movies. It's just the thing because you know. My toddlers don't want to watch Deadpool with me, you know. No. Actually, my son probably would, but then about five Jen, minutes and he'd be scarred for life. And Jen, and Jen probably would wouldn't me. want yeah. you watching. We're already Deadpool having debates Liam. over whether he's old enough to watch Star Wars. Because they're trying to like, you know. Yes, yes, yes. You no, because okay, so you want a five-year-old going around with a lightsaber, lightsaber and like, we already had to like take away his souvenirs from medieval times because we got him the light up sword. Well, just don't get him the sword, dad. But all these like, scenes come on. for the second half of the show, and we went through his beavers, which for those that don't know is really young Cub Scouts, and he is, half the show, I forgot, is the joust, and yeah. the bad guy showing up. And so your son now wants to be medieval. 
Yeah, prince. we're trying to talk the guns thing. Someone, someone at one of his daycares in the last year taught him, bang, bang, you're dead. Oh, no. So he'll take, like, his hockey stick and... They do, turn like, it into pew. a rifle? Yeah. Which is also a solid hockey celebration. I know, but it's a fine line right now. Parenting's tough. We were talking when we were trying to set up uh, when we were able to do this. We were chatting on the phone, and I realized it wasn't since Liam was born... Like that was the last time shortly after that is the last time I was at your house, which is crazy. That's, well, cause we did the reveal when we told everybody, my wife, Jen, hello. Um, hi Jen. Um, Hey Jen. Uh, when we told everyone she was pregnant the first time, what we did was my birthday party was at our house and we just, and most people hadn't been to our house cause we'd only lived there about six months at the yeah. time. And so we just showed them around the rooms and then all of a sudden the they go in the corner bedroom and it's all set up with the crib and everything. And that's how we told people, wait, you surprise. Oh. Now, did that work well on your parents or did you tell them in a more? Ah, uh, we told them earlier. You know how they always say, don't tell anyone until three months in. But I think our folks knew about um, six weeks in six weeks in. Yeah. Cause you know, they could be there either way because what happens is you run into the mistake um, that you post something on Facebook that's important and realize you haven't told your family. Yeah. And my mom's out in Vancouver, so it's a little tougher. Right? It's not like I see her all the time. So, you know, it's one of those um, to make sure it doesn't get out in social media first. And like back in the pre-kid days, we were going out with Marley's crew, like game ops and behind the scenes people drinking pretty much every weekend. So there was one place we went and there was like 20 of us there and they gave, they gave her, we hadn't told anyone yet. So they gave her like version of everything. So it looked like she was drinking with us. Smart. But so we didn't have to explain why she wasn't drinking anything. It was pretty smart. And then you guys threw the Super Bowl party. Yes. Which is right after Liam was born. You would have been like a month old. And that was yeah. the last time I was there, which is, I, I'm convinced that life completely changes, not just for the parents when a child is born, but everyone attached. The reason being is in my head, I think I'm still like 26 or 27, but when kids are around, they become an immediate like benchmark in your life. And you're like, wow, I haven't been to your house since Liam was born. Yeah. And you tell me Liam's five. And then I'm like, wait, I'm not 26 or 27 anymore. It's years later because they become now this measurement of time. Oh, totally. And the first few years they develop so quickly because you go from baby to toddler to kid. So it's, it's, it's amazing how quick, like, my son's an SK already and doing French immersion and already knows more French than I do. And, but like it's, they grow so fast. Like all these other parents always tell you, enjoy every second. They grow so fast, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of go, yeah, whatever. And now you really appreciate that. But you're right about, first off, it changes the parents' lives forever. The dads as well as the moms. And your friend networks change. Like my wife hangs out with a lot of moms now because it sucks in a way, but like, if you don't have kids, you don't understand. And I'm raising know. my hand for all those. Yeah, he, he totally is. Which is everybody. You know, I don't get it. I don't even know how you, you will one do day. it. I don't know how you do it. I go like I have a day and I don't know where I fit a kid in. There's no minutes left. Oh, I know. I know. Especially because I, like I do my main job and then Marley's and then the odd thing that comes in. And Jen's the nine to fiver and gets the brunt of a lot of, you know, all the bedtimes and things like that. But I'll get up early with them, even if it worked the night before. 
and you just get used to not sleeping as much and you sleep when you can and you try He's actually and enjoy all right the now. things you're there for. He, you, Simon is asleep right now. He's I'm talking, talking in my sleep. Perfectly coherent. Oh, what was that? What? But he's asleep. Where am I? Whoa. <laughs> How did I get here? Why isn't the TV on the wall? Why is it sitting on a couch? Um, my son is also listening to the news, partially when I do 680 mornings, which isn't all the time, but when I fill in. And so they'll put the radio on when I'm there. They're on the road. And he pegs you right away. He's like, daddy. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. He does that at Marley's too. Although I took him to a Jays game when he was two. The David Price's Jays debut. I took him. It was a day game. And he heard Tim Langton, their PA guy's voice. He yeah. goes, oh, daddy. No, I'm here. No, no, no I, it's I'm, not me. I'm right beside you. That's, that's Tim. That's it's not me. That's Tim. He's a different dude. Yeah, cool dude. Else. But different, dude. Yeah, yeah. So you bring up Marley's mentioned a few times. That's where we met. Actually, you know who introduced us? Monica Platek. Monica! Because I was not officially working with uh, Maple Leaf Sports. So were you, a, with. I forget, were you a blogger on your I, own for fun? So even before that, I was a writer. I yeah. was a writer at, at mainly on automotive, actually. I worked at a lot of like sport compact and, and did show reviews and car articles and all that kind of stuff. And then I wanted to move into sports because hockey had taken up a good portion of my childhood and, and it's very Canadian of you teen. Yeah. Very Canadian of me. So I, I was in automotive, wanted to make the move into sports and kind of dabbled a little bit here, writing some freelance pieces, writing some prospect pieces. I couldn't really find my way. And then my brother had moved out. I had lived with my brother. He had moved out and we had went to a bunch of Leafs And games. your brother and his brother worked for, for Marley's as well. For the Marley's. You know, Eric, yeah. Oh my goodness. What a small world. I forgot about right. that. So Eric and I lived together for a while and then he moved out. This is before either of us worked with uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. He moved out and I couldn't afford leaf tickets anymore because I now had a two bedroom apartment. Wait, myself. wait, wait, wait. You couldn't afford leaf tickets before you could afford them before. Well, my brother and I together could we had Simon. We had the best setup. We <laughs> lived. Get this. We lived 10 minute walk to Rico. Right, so kind of yeah. Toronto's West End on Queen on King Street. We had a two bedroom, a spacious two bedroom with like lawn in like in suite laundry and a dishwasher, and it was eight twenty a month. Uh, that you could not do that now. You can't. We couldn't not do it then. You couldn't even find it then. We knew it was a steal at the time, and then you split it two ways. Awesome. Like we were like that's that's why we could afford leaf tickets. You know, we had basically no bills. And then he and I, because you grow up together, you kind of have the same standard of living. So we, he usually cooked. I usually cleaned. It was actually quite sweet. We were the odd couple, but not very odd. But then he moved out. And I love this live. Like I had kind of built my social circle around live sports, but then I couldn't afford leaf tickets anymore. So I decided to go to a Marley's game. And it was uh, a Bulldogs it was a Bulldogs Marley's game, I think in February. And I kind of looked around and I'd probably been freelancing for about a year. Yeah. And I was like, this is a very underserviced market. Oh, and, and so back that, when you would have started with us, it was really underserviced. Yeah. So I think I started writing Marley's pieces in 08. Yeah. Um, and then I first got Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment's attention in 09. And then we kind of started this relationship going. And I think it was the last 
game of the 08-09 season that I was there. I knew Monaco already. Uh, who's had what a fantastic Monica, career. the Leafs, the old Leafs host from old way Leafs back. Old Leafs host. She was on Leafs TV. Leaf space. Leaf space. Uh, the whole Leafs digital environment. She she goes to school. Like, she works at Ryerson and teaches, like, social media now. But when you think about it, everything she, she did, did 10 years ago when she was the Leafs host and everything yeah. she did around it with Leaf space, it was kind of ahead of its time. And now it's like everyone does that. She's a sweetheart, though. Yeah, awesome. Great person to work with. And she introduced us. That was the first time. It would have been the end of the 08-09 season. That was my first season. Was it really? Yeah. Oh eight oh nine. So I'm in, I'm on season ten now. Um. My, yeah. My. Can we just hold season ten? I know. Season ten, Simon. I know. I know. Um. And a lot has changed in the way the Marleys are portrayed in this city. The Marleys, when it comes to the gate, um, have come a long, 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 long way. And I think there were a few um, things that happened. I think we hit some watershed moments the year we, they, they, after the, they lost to the Moose, they didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years. Um, when Brian Burke ran the team, he really put an emphasis into promoting the AHL. So if you remember the Dallas Akins commercials, you, would you rather take a bus pot ride to Peoria or a cab ride to the Air Canada Center? Like they actually did TV ads. And in 2012, the Marlies made the call to cup final and legit sold out the place. So there was the Calder Cup year, which is the Calder Cup year, two thousand twelve. Following that year, um, the lockout the stretched lockout. on, and so all these young stars that had taken this Marley's team into June hockey were then back with them come September, when you would expect most of them to be with the Maple Leaf. Although you know what's funny about that, um, compared to now. Well, the Marley's are very, very young. When you look at that team in 2012, they had Kadri, they had Gardner, they had Ben Scrivens and Goal had a fantastic year, but everyone else were all older guys like Zigamanis. Uh, I think Vitaglia had already left at that point, but he was still on the outskirts. Matt Fratton, they had on Matty the Fratt, yeah, Matt Fratton. Corbinian Holzer was a young yep. guy. Um, I guess you're talking about guys who are making an impact on the big club now, um, but. Um, Matty Fratton, I'm convinced. So the clinching game in 2012, the conference final. Against Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, he scored the clinching goal in the empty net, slid into the goal. Goal didn't move, wrecked his ACL, didn't play in the final. And I think his rehab stretched into the fall because it was he had to have knee surgery. And I'm convinced that if that hadn't happened, he would have been on the Leafs and playing a bigger role after that. Matt, I remember that night, his mom, we were waiting, I think, for Dallas to come out for the post-game scrum, yeah. as he usually does outside the locker room. And his mom was kind of at that rope where, you know, fans and everyone is allowed, couldn't cross. And she called me over and asked if he was all right. And I hadn't seen him yet. And I was like, I'm, I'm really not sure. And you could just see the the worry and panic it, on her yeah. face, knowing that her boy slid into a net and then hobbled off. But what a year that was. That and was fun. As you said, you follow that up with with the, the lockout year, and so a lot of these stars come back down. And the final was a big letdown, too, because we got swept. Uh, I got to stop saying we. Um, we. They, they, they got swept, and there's the famous off the stanchion goal in overtime. Craziest thing I've ever seen. For those who don't remember... Game three, Game three of overtime. the Calder Cup final at Rico. Zero, Mike Koska, zero. Yeah, Mike Koska 
gets just across center ice, dumps it in off the stanchion. Ben Scrivens comes out to play it. Puck hits the stanchion and goes in. OT winner. Off the glass. Like not well, no, the, he, like it hit no, the glass, right? Yeah. And then bounced in. He was um, just ringing it around the boards. Yeah, he ran, yeah, and it just hit something and went out into the net. Uh, and I heard a story, I don't know how true this is, that they ended up signing Costco to play for the Marley slash Leafs the next year. And the story I heard was that Aikens grabbed a bucket of pucks, went to where brought Costco over and was like, okay, do it again. And he couldn't. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm sure he didn't. Didn't they, didn't they remove the stanchion in the off season? I feel like they may have just at one be, point. They the, changed I, the boards. Uh, yeah. They, they changed the boards. I don't want to say they purposely removed the stanchion, but once again, as story turns into myth and myth turns into legend that that stanchion after the playoffs was no more, <laughs> but what a disheartening way to go. I mean, the Marlies were underdogs anyway, but that just sucked at home. Were you, were you always a, a, a hockey guy? I think so. Yeah. When so my backstory is different because I didn't come to Canada until I was like 11. What? You don't even know this story. I don't know this at all. I I love this because I learn things about my friends that I don't know, but then I hate it because I always feel exposed that that I really don't know something that I should have. You were 11 when you came to Canada? I was German born. Lived there for less than a year. My mom is German, my dad was British. My dad was in Germany working engineering jobs. I got born in Berlin on the west side. This is when the wall was still up. Um, and uh, then we moved to England when I was one and lived there until I was almost 11. I moved to Canada right at the end of grade five. Wow. And so I'd never really watched hockey. I'd never, I ne- the only real sports memory I have from my first 10 years is as an England soccer fan, England, Argentina, the famous hand of God game when Maradona apparently headed it into the net, but it was already off his hand. And then he, and then he said after the game was the hand of God that guided it in. And then 10 minutes later, it goes from scores one of the best goals in world cup history. It makes you hate the guy even more. I remember that watching that in England. Um, and then I watched a bit of cricket. I actually remember, I actually kind of knew the cricket rules back then. I've forgotten them now. And then we had a game. I don't forget grade six. I'm here in Scarborough um, and um, played baseball for the first time. Didn't know a thing about it. And my teacher, you ran to first base and then ran back to home. No, not even that. (laughs) My teacher had a British background. He goes, it's just like rounders. Rounders is a game you play in British gym class, which is kind of like baseball. You hit it and run in a circle. The only real difference is that you use a tenant little mini ping pong racket. And I don't even know what the ball was for a tennis ball. Uh, I got into sports relatively quickly after that. I was a, I think what got me into hockey was not that I'm a pro fighting guy, but it was always that, especially in the late eighties, there was always that sideshow element to a hockey game where, you know, the hockey's great. But there's also this circus guys to break get, out at any moment. Guys get mad at each other and stuff happens that you don't really allow in the other sports. And the one I remember, I don't know why I remember this one is being sort of like, a, oh, my God, I like hockey. 88-89, Leafs are playing the wings. And somebody, I don't remember who, Rob Ramage was the Leafs captain back then. And someone like high sticked him right like on the throat or something or a nitty eye. And he was, so he trainers looking at him for about two minutes. Then he gets up and he's mad because he didn't call a penalty. 
He's furious. And he just, instead of going off to get looked at, he goes right at the wings back and just starts pointing at him. And the cameras caught, the camera mics caught him saying, you're a fucking dead meat shock <laughs> at Jacques Demers. And uh, that it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Hilarious. And there's other things I will not repeat that he said that he called him. So Jacques Demers and Doug Carpenter was the Leafs coach at the time. So they're yap, yap, yap. They still haven't turned the camera mics off. And it was Joe Bowen doing the game on Global. So I remember him not saying anything till he could hear. And... <laughs> At one point, Carpenter's yelling at one guy, what are you, how many, how many teams you've been on? What, seven teams? You can't skate, you can't do fuck all. The camera's got all this. And, um, so and I you're was, a wide-eyed kid, just be like, yeah, yeah. Well, we were all, I think my parents were mortified. I was like, this is awesome. And then I actually remember looking at the calendar. When do they play the wings again? Oh my God, I want to see. Um, and that's when I got into hockey. And I understand the more well-rounded aspects of the game now. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. You've been working in it for a decade. Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, and then the Jays were good then. So I think the way if you, I don't know if you're too young to remember, but there was that fun time from like 92 to the mid 90s. So you had fall of 92, Jays won the first World Series. Then that spring of 93 is the Leafs crazy playoff run. And then uh, that fall again was Joe Carter. And then while Joe Carter hit the home run, the Leafs were in the middle of a 10-0 and start to their season. And then the Leafs went to the conference finals again the next year, kind of ran out of gas, and then they acquired Sundin. And then that was it. And that was one of those, that crazy two years where if you're young, and I was a teenager then as a sports fan in this city, you will, I don't think you'll, we might get there again now. I think with the Leafs being good, TFC's very good. Raptors are in, are contenders. So you, it's late 80s, early 90s. Huge sports uptick in Toronto. You moved here from England where there's got to be this. What was the bridging gap? Did you went to school before you got into sports? Like you went to school for it? Or did you just kind of, you know, work your Simon magic? I don't have any magic at all. You have tons um, of magic. All through high school, I kind of of knew I wanted to do broadcasting. I knew I wanted to do broadcasting from really, really young. And then... It's that powerful voice of yours. This is just practicing in the shower when you're a teenager. This is what you do, kids. You practice in the shower. Practice speaking in the shower. Yes. Speaking. Yes. Yes. So I knew I wanted to do broadcasting. And then all through high school, I I knew I wanted to do um, sports. Um, I think I was a sponge, too. Like... Because I was, I, I could never really play. I still really can't skate that well. I never really learned to skate properly at a young age like anyone else in this country would because I wasn't here. And skating, there's hardly any ice in England. Like we get snow like once a year and it's like little little tricklets of snow. So I knew I wanted to do that. And I went to Ryerson for journalism. So to get the all around broadcast background. And the first two years, I feel like this is becoming the hub. This podcast becoming the hub of Ryerson graduates. Hey man. Hey man. Hey, I was there long before things like the sport media program, what they have now for the sports people that want to get into it. And I will caution anyone who wants to do sports that you got to have to travel far from Toronto to get your first job because there aren't that many, but um, their sports setup is fantastic because you can do like live games and mad at me. So I was at Ryerson way before that. But um, in fact, the journalism guys 
kind of, most of them kind of not stuck their nose up in sports, but they really wanted you to avoid it, avoid your comfort zone and do hard news as much as you could. Um, which I think at the end of the day made me a better broadcaster and just the general sense of, for example, we had a, one of our profs in third year, Mark Bulgich, who was, I think he was head of live events for CBC. One of my best, best profs I ever had. And the first, you come in thinking that as being a journalist, like hard news journalist, you need to be immune to all emotion and you can't let things get to you and you got to stay even keeled. So he has this tape of what you call House of Horrors or Tape of Horrors. Some of the most horrible things oh, that you geez. would see on camera. So one was in somewhere in the Middle East, a guy getting his head shot up, cut off. Another one was... This remember, is real horrors. This isn't people this, messing up no, the anthem. No, this no. This is like real stuff. Like uh, another one was, um, for those who are young enough to remember, old enough to remember the air crash in Lockerbie late 80s, and they actually got someone's mother reacting to her son dying. And that was, the debate there was, is that too much? Is do you, Are you breaking the boundaries of privacy by showing this? Right. Um, mayor in a U.S. city shooting himself at a press conference because he embezzled money or something and he, he just he shot himself. And there was a bunch, In front of everybody. In front of, in the press conference, in the room. Like he gets the gun out and he's like, and you can hear the media going, don't, no, no, oh my God, no. And then bang. Um, just a few things like that. Sheesh. We did about 10 or 11 of these. Sounds like one is too much. The whole point, and I and a lot of us felt sick. And the whole point of it is, you should be affected by this. If you're not, then you shouldn't be doing journalism. So it's the opposite to what you think as a young person coming in to covering reporting. Um, it was also a clue to me that I didn't want to do news. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, did a little bit of sports um, within that, but third year. Um, all I'd really done in the first two years is gone to school and drink. So like most people do. And I was like, okay, I should get some experience. So I called up some places and I got, I think I called TSN and I might've talked to somebody and they were like, well, we don't already have any internship spots open. Um, but uh, you know, give us a call when you're done school. And then I called what would eventually be the score. It was headline sports. Then this is a fall of 98. And I got a dude by the name of John Melville who kind of ran the station at the time. And he goes, yeah, we need interns. And then a week later, I'm there. And I no never left. Way. I never left. I, I, I got hired within six months. And uh, so... So what year was this? Let's... I'm 98. Tr- so 98. And the score was at the time operating as a headline sports. Headline... This is... So headline sports became the score. And then we rebranded to just the score. That would have been early 2000. And they kind of did it suddenly, like we got a note on the door at work. We are now the score. Do not refer to ourselves as headline sports ever again. <laughs> it was like a... Yes, sir. Sp- speaking of soft launch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had the old logo that he had, and then they switched to the yes that we had until the end. But yeah, I, w- I was at the score slash headline in late 98, and then lasted all the way until we got sold to Rogers and moved to Sportsnet. And, and became a Sportsnet property. Yeah. And the score still operates as a digital property. Yeah, so the TV station got sold. The Our owners, the Levy family, kept the digital side, and that's their baby. Which honestly has... I, I've, I've gushed about it before on the podcast. They were ahead of their time. The, way, the score was way ahead of their time in Canada or the U.S. Yeah. in pioneering how one aggregate app or one aggregate website 
can really be your not one-stop shop yep. for all the big news. And then as the app progressed, you had the ability to customize your alerts and customize your, your profile so that you're only seeing scores and players and, and events and leagues that you care about and, and, and not necessarily all the other, and news, not necessarily all the other garbage. Oh, it, and this would have been, yeah, they were at least five years ahead of their time. I don't think we realized it then, but we started... It, for a while, everybody had this. I think people still do, but you know, the score app was like must have on your phone. I Even still, oh, I still like, do. Yeah. Me and all my friends, we all, that's always the first thing we open up. Yeah. Uh, when, when we want to find anything, because part of it is we've had it set up forever that yeah. you don't, I only receive the alerts. I want to receive, receive the news I want to receive. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's still the best. It's still the best thing on my phone. Yeah, Sports there's wise. something there's something to be said. If you get it right and you're first, then you have a huge leg up because everyone is habitual. Everyone has their way of doing things and you don't like being told to change to a different thing. So the score is still around. So yeah, the score with the old S logo that still exists as a digital entity. And then but Rogers bought the TV side and rebranded as Sportsnet 360. And so so then I went, so what we ended up doing was we amalgamated the highlight departments of Sportsnet and the score, and that's where I went, and I'm still there. Are you still doing? Did you still do some of the the VOs? Yeah, for the sports pack. Yeah, that's my favorite. Is when I'm just casually, you know, looking at the TV that's sitting on a couch in my office, and it's running through highlights, and it's whatever o'clock at night, and then boom, there's Simon's voice. I'm like, hey, I know it, it like clues me back in because a lot of time those highlight shows that run every half hour you kind of tune out because you've probably seen most of the packs already and they're waiting until the west coast games finish so that they can just finish up the night and then i'll get one of yours and i get really really happy (laughs) if the marley's highlights ever aired on the score or sports in the 360s because i'm in and i just did it on my own (laughs) and like michael carlissimo who was in charge of marley's game ups for a long time um, used to tell me, uh, yeah, I fall asleep to your voice. Thanks, buddy. Uh, uh, that's exactly what I was hoping. You should have made him a half hour recording. If you like <laughs> reading children's novels or something, then you could really fall asleep to your voice. <laughs> Creepy. I, um, I, I read to my kids and I try not to get into broadcaster voice character when I do it, yeah. but I do. It needs to be risby the rabbit that calls <laughs> like the local whatever game do we have do we have a sportscaster children's book can you think of one Ooh, we have no. sports children's books sportscaster i think we're on to something here something. you know hey you know what uh there's one book i read right now it's called santa's reindeer games and the whole premise is there like a there's like a mini track meet slash olympics where the the eight winners of each event of the events combined are the reindeer that pull santa so it's like donda and blitzen going for the fastest reindeer against like daisy and duke or something <laughs> but the whole thing but the whole thing is written like santa claus is like the play by play guy for it. So this including like talking about. so so like I read it like and 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 like you and you know the story time is supposed to calm the kids down so I'll be like reading it in my broadcast voice and then I'll hear from the other room Jen going you're too loud. Yeah, and then yeah. like you yeah. know helping them and Blitzen rounds the corner. And He's coming up on daughter. Daughter's in the lead but just by a nose. Oh, it is Blitzen that takes it. And like and like every every other page is like and the crowd goes wild. Yeah, 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 is actually yeah. in the book. <laughs> uh 
Um, so Santa's that's the closest. losing his shit. Santa's losing his, his shit chair. because Donna beats Blitzen in a race. <laughs> and, and, um, so there's that. There isn't much else that really compares. I'm sure as I do more like hockey-ish books with the kids or uh, stuff like that, they'll come up. But uh, We should write a children's book. Oh, my God. I think we should. About what? What's stopping? About uh, something like this. We need, <laughs> we, need, we need a young rabbit who wants to be a play-by-play broadcaster. Oh, man. I think, or what we could do is we could take famous stories. Uh, we might get in shit for this, but we take like the, the 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 tortoise and the hare, but from the viewpoint of the play-by-play guy. Where's the t- where's the hare? The hare has not shown up. He's asleep. Here comes the tortoise. The tortoise. What an upset! Exactly. Yeah, it starts. I'm sure that's been like done five days before when he's doing all his prep. And, and reading up on all, like, the latest races and starting <laughs> everything. And it ends with his triumphant call because, you know what, and I, I know this just from doing this podcast, is there is a solid group of people that grow up listening and watching sports and wanting to be that person. And I think we're no yeah. different. Or I was just listening to an interview. You brought him up earlier, Joe Bowen. Who, who called that game that you love back in the late 80s when Ramage wanted to kill someone. Joe Bowen caught a lot of games that I liked in, he, in, in growing up. Just about all of them. He's such a king. But he, he was speaking of when he was listening to the radio and watching the television. And at such a young age, you just have this idea of what you want to do in your head. And truthfully, even for myself, I wasn't that fortunate like i had to i had to go through some bumps and figure out what i wanted to be but anyone does though that's the thing uh, not joe bob cole didn't no bob cole didn't just become bob cole i think he came out that way you ever uh uh, you ever hear the story about how bob cole met foster hewitt no hometown hockey did a whole thing on bob cole last year or the year before and uh basically followed him for a day and he said he got in like when he was young, Foster Hewitt was the Leafs voice. And I think he worked at whatever radio station he worked at and he sent him his tape and Foster actually sat him down and gave him tips. No, way. like just think about those two, like Mount Rushmore voices. And they actually of Canadian met a little bit. hockey. Yeah. That's cool. The passing of the torch. Yeah. Kind exactly. of from, from mentor to mentee. Who was, who was your uh, mentor? Do you, do you have one along the way? I think I've had a lot of guys, like, it's hard to really narrow down one. I have a lot of Me, guys. obviously. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of guys that I've looked up to just by seeing them work. Yeah. Like, Elliot Freeman was at the score when I started there, and he, the hardest working guy I've ever seen how he put together his pieces, how he got himself a bit of a black book, how he nurtured his contacts, like all that stuff. Built relationships. Bills, yeah. Built trust. Built re- yeah, exactly. Built trust where, where, you know. Where now he can do 31 thoughts and have good nuggets because people will tell him things. The amazing, what, what I respect so much about Elliot is not all the things he shares, but all the things he doesn't because it's so key in relationship building that... Yeah, you can have a ton of information, but you have to appreciate how this affects everyone. And this isn't this isn't coloring the message. This isn't, you know, keeping secrets for your pal. This is understanding what is newsworthy and what isn't. 
what is rumor, what is damaging, what doesn't serve a purpose and what does. And I think unfortunately in, in, in the hashtag breaking news age where everyone has been racing to be the first one to announce something, you know, before we had to wait until the six o'clock news or we had to wait until the, the paper came out the next day. But in this race to get, be the first to say something, and this is something I had to learn, definitely, you then leave yourself open to burning bridges or having terrible credibility. Oh, yeah. Because you hear something, you say something, and, and we think even, remember when the when it was first announced and he hadn't passed yet, but Pat Burns had passed away? It swept through yeah. the news and it was everyone was posting it as if it was fact and yet it didn't happen and that that's something and going back to Elliot he does so well is that he knows what to report on he is a true journalist in that sense and he has for every one thing you hear he must have a hundred things that never see the light of day you know it's interesting you mentioned the uh, Pat Burns one I was at work when holiday happened and Usually there's a bit of a rush to be first in certain things, but I remember people kind of going, okay, let's make sure because this is a big thing. It's a big deal if if he actually did go down on that plane and no one rushed to report anything. Actually, I think in that case, it was also people were hoping it wasn't true, Um, but there was one of those like, okay, no one say, just say what we know. Don't try to be first, which is kind of the opposite to what we're kind of trying to do in the Twitter world. It's interesting how things like that happen because because for that reason, because, you know, usually there's a rush to be first. But when it's something like that, I think. But going back to your point about spreading the wrong thing. Absolutely. I think there's only a handful of journalists that are credible in hockey. There's Elliot, Chris Johnson to a degree as well. I love CJ McKenzie. Um, in football, there's Adam Schefter and Mortensen. If those two report something, it's done. Uh, Woj for basketball. There's a certain guys that have the credibility because everyone will talk to them because they trust them. And there aren't that many of them in the Twitter world. This brings me back to full circle Uh-oh. to when you reached out to me. And then I said, you should be on the podcast because <laughs> this is Wheeler. exactly what the newsroom dealt with. I feel like for three years, it's being a credible journalist and not being clickbait and not just reporting on the first piece of fluff or the first self-serving news piece that's going to get everyone to click you on you imagine it. the newsroom was on now? It'd be I, totally different. I would love... Aaron Sorkin to come back. First of all, I want to say, I think he did the right thing that he wrote the story to its completion and didn't go on. And the completion was three years and they could have probably backed up a dump truck of money to his door. I I would imagine HBO was interested. I don't know, but I imagine HBO was interested in a four season because I know it was Aaron that said this will be the last one. So I respect what he did, but imagine, imagine they were reporting on the Trump election. Fake news. Oh my goodness. Imagine having a Trump character go up against Will McAvoy or, or, um, uh, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway against Will McAvoy. 
And she had some really bad interviews the first couple of months. Remember, like terrible. She was terrible. There were some others that weren't that better. I wonder if how many of these people actually believe what they're saying. For instance, if you're cutting a highlight pack from a very, very dull or just uninteresting game. And we do a few of those. All you can do is cut the highlight pack from it because that's your job. Yeah, yeah. Kellyanne, she may have wanted to work. I don't know her. I've, I don't know her resume. I don't know anything. Maybe she wanted to work with someone else. And instead she got Trump. And all you have to do <laughs> is work with what you got. So I listened to, I don't know if I want to plug other podcasts on this. Go thing. for it. I don't mind. Uh, Pod Save America. If you want to, if you're a, a, le- if you're a name, if you're a lefty like me and you're interested in American politics and really what's going on, Pod Save America is fantastic. They have a whole network of shows. It's crooked media, but Pod Save America is my go-to. And it just talks about what exactly the Republicans are trying to do. You know, and there's a whole thing with like, they, they tried to repeal Obamacare and that didn't work. John McCain, thumbs down, you know. Um, and then they're trying to make the same moves in their budget now and trying to sneak it through before Christmas. And, you know, the guys who were, and all the people who are on Pod Save America work for Obama's cabinet, like his former speech writers, really good podcast. And it gives you a better background of what's really going on because a lot of what Trump is saying is smokescreen for what really is happening. We talked about newsroom and Will McAvoy. Yeah. Unfortunately, long since ended. Is there anything else you're watching right now? So I'm into? very behind on everything. Because that's dad life. So I'm, well, what, what are you behind I'm catching, on? And I'm, I promise not to spoil it for you. I'm, I'm catching up on older stuff. Uh, I watched Sherlock, the British one. Oh, it's so I'm good. I'm on season three now. With uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. Fant- I, I've, I've been slow on that. Problem is I just don't have time to sit down and pay attention for long enough. Um, I'm watching Downton Abbey. Really? Which, I tried twice. That's the British in me. It's the Brit in me got me into Downton Abbey. Um... I'm conflicted. I want to see it through to the end. I'm on season four. For those who watched Downton Abbey, there You're are so two committed. big deaths in season three that totally changed the view of the show. Um, but um, I want to see it through now. The snobbery of the British upper class. <laughs> I just want to yell at these people. Put your own fucking coat on. Um, but I'm trying to see it through. Uh, Bojack Horseman on Netflix. I'm watching that. I'm about, I've just started season two. I haven't done Stranger Things. I want to. You're the second person I've talked to that hasn't gone into Stranger Things. I haven't done it yet. That you would, oh. I haven't done House of Cards. Shit, dude. I did one episode of House of Cards and then the Spacey stuff came out and I don't know if I want to watch it now. It makes it hard, doesn't it? It does. When, uh. Yeah, when you kind of peel back. And I also promised curtain. Jen that I'd wait to have time with her to watch it together. We just haven't had time to watch it so together. So you can hate on Spacey as a couple? Uh, well, I just don't think it's, you know. <laughs> um, we watch <laughs> Guilty Pleasure, although we're very behind on it now. Because we have like 15 on the PVR that we haven't watched yet. Dancing with the Stars. Jen got me into it. Oh, it's so... I have guilty pleasure as well, mm. and I'm say, I have 10 on the PVR. Yours is Dancing with the Stars. Mine is The Voice. Okay, I've, I've, I haven't seen much of The Voice. And I haven't uh, seen Dancing with the Stars, but I'm glad we can see eye to eye yeah. and relate on the fact that we have one thing we're willing to share together, but we don't need everybody knowing. So I got to do Invictus Games PA in September, 
And one of the things we did was the wheelchair rugby celebrity game, and Derek Huff played. And um, Noah Galloway played as well. He was a Dancing with the Stars finalist. Um, and really, not that I know any of these people, um, but um, Brooks Like played on the Marlies last year. His now wife is Julianne Huff. Just got married. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, congratulations to Brooks yeah. Like. Happy marriage. It's, yeah, yeah. Your gift is in the mail. It's a gift card um, to McDonald's. Brooks Like. So the parking lot going out to Rico, if I drive, I park on the ground. And I had Liam with me. It just happened one day. And after a game, and I open up and a uh, guy opens the door. Here you go, sir. And he lets me through. And I looked up. It was Brooks Like. Aww. He opened the door for me and called me, sir. I didn't even clue in until like I walked 10 paces. That was Brooks Like opening the door for me. I should oh, be nice. opening a door for you, dude. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. Dancing with the stars. Yeah. I, uh, shout out Invictus games, by the way, cause that was so much fun. Did you have a good time during Invictus? So, yeah. That was a career highlight. You're really, you're yeah. one of a few friends that worked the games that, yeah. that I know. Um, few MLSC connections. Um, Danielle hosted the swimming. So that was it. Emmanuel. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it is interesting. So I think the venues meant something to me cause most of the events I did, we're at Mattamy, the former Maple Leaf Gardens, but that's also Ryerson's sort of sports home now. So that was cool. And then I did the basketball prelims and the swimming at the Toronto Pan Am Center, which is up the street from my house. And that's where our kids do swimming classes. Oh, wow. It was really cool. Totally different experience. It was a British production team coming in and doing it. So getting to work with those people, Progress Productions did all the sort of in-house stuff. I got to work with people, like people, most of the people behind the scenes that weren't up high putting it together were from from here. Uh, I actually got to do, so the wheelchair basketball, I did the English and Leafs PA guy, Mike Ross did the French. So that was cool. Mike's first entry in to doing ACC was he did the World Juniors when they were here. Uh, and they had Hockey Canada picked him because he knew French. How do you apply for these things? Do you just send in a demo reel Depends. of you in front of a microphone? Marley's I did. Yeah. I, uh, there was a job post they got. I sent it in. The only PA experience I had before that was when I was at Ryerson. I did their hockey team. So you, But like, they weren't mad at me then. They were like at St. Mike's Arena way away from campus. Do you so just like, like have a list of prompts that you go through? You're like one minute left in the first Period. You know what? I did. Goal, Nazem Kadri. How do you do that? So I think for the first time I auditioned for Marley's, I just sent them my TV demo, which had oh, like smart. highlights and whatever. And I put in the resume, I did Ryerson PA. I have pipes. Take a listen kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I auditioned. So 07, I auditioned for TFC when they launched. Didn't get it. I auditioned for Marley's that year. Didn't get it. And I'll never forget. I was in the office after I did like a bunch of fake reads in um, at, re, at an empty Rico, went in the office and waiting for uh, Jen Millard to interview me. And I saw a prominent radio personality come out of the interview before me. And I'm like, oh, he's getting it. <coughs> Mad dog. <coughs> <laughs> um, and so, he, and they actually had a press release. Hey, we got uh, Mad Dog doing, they wanted to get some fans by saying, oh, we got yeah. Mad Dog doing uh, PA. And I think Gail was still there doing host. Um, and uh, so I did my audition, but here's the ultimate first impressions are amazing. A year later, they posted it again. And I think it was right after the season started. It was like late, like 
early October mm-hmm. and uh, I applied again and I didn't even have to audition this time. I had a meeting with Paul McKenna, who was Raptors game ops then, but he was in the process of training my eventual boss, Moose, Michael. And um, he's like, yeah, the guy who was Duke last year, Brad Davidson, shout out. Um, he was working behind the bench at the time yeah. at this point. He remembers your audition from last year. Can you do Saturday? <gasps> wow. That was on a Thursday. And that was my first game. And he said yes. And then you yep. just didn't let go of it. Nope. So to figure out how to say names like Yuha Wathala right away. Well, I remember. Yeah. I actually I, I have one of his uh, uh, jerseys. One of his you had, a, you had a jersey? Yeah, I still have it. It's in a big bin. <laughs> I, have, I have. They were really, really good to me when I worked with the Marleys. And there's such high turnover, as you know, as is usually the yeah. case in the AHL. AHL, and, half the and team once changes, once a player is gone for now two years, they end up. Well, they always have this storeroom of jerseys, and they hold on to them for a little bit just in case. You know, it, the the player might come back and ask, "Hey, I need something for a charity event," yeah. or one of our charitable partners might ask for something, so on and so forth. But after a couple of years, you have the storeroom. Of game warm merchandise or uh, game warm jerseys that that they just kind of part off because they're trying to make room for more shit that they got to shuffle in there. And so I I wound up I still have you know a great collection. If I was ever to build a museum of you know <laughs> they once were a Marley never a Leaf, I have a great a great collection of jerseys that they were so kind to give me. So two decades almost. Oh, I don't want to say that. Almost two decades uh, with the score and in Sportsnet. Am I right? Ninety oh eight. Yeah. And then and then you know the best is uh, Rogers kept her tenure, so I'm officially oh, that's incredible. So I'm officially in March. So they go from when you're hired, not your intern date. Yep. So in March, I will be 19 years with Rogers. That's incredible. <laughs> they gave that's me important a, though. They, like, I got my. Oh, oh, it was 18 or 19, something like that. Uh, but I, I, I got. I got my 15 years with Rogers plaque six months after we got moved over there, which and was he very took a bow, strange. He said, thank you very much. They do a whole thing where they like, Hey, everyone is uh, so-and-so's 15 years. Hey. And everyone's like, and there are some people is, there like, I haven't met who Yeah, I know he's been here 15 years. I think, I think the joke was, well, it's the longest six months ever. Um, <laughs> and they give you, and you get like a plaque and you get a Rogers gift card and they, the whole comp, the department signs a card. It's fantastic. Nice. They really, so, cool. so 18, 19 years yeah. now within one job, you got a decade, ten, I'm old, ten ladies seasons, and gentlemen, 10 seasons with the Marlies. I like to end things on the same note each and every time we all pick up. I find, I think everyone does in every walk of life. Little little bits of encouragement, little bits of, of guidance that kind of help you along the way. And, 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 you know, it could have been given off the cuff by someone that, that you really respected and they didn't even realize it at the time, but it really kind of entrenches itself in you. What, what has been, you know, to be, to be in similar line of work for, for the amount of time you have to stay you know, employed in the sports industry in Toronto, which we both know is first of all, hard to break into. And second of all, hard to stay in. What's something you've taken with you? I think the most important thing I tell younger people when I go talk to, cause I do stuff where I, I do thing once a year, I hang out with the college of sports media guys a little bit, but uh, just once a year, once a year. Uh, but my, one of my best friends, Jason whistle is a prof there and I go in his class, but 
Two things, if you want to get into the business. And I didn't really hear this from anybody in particular, but I heard it from a few places. Um, one, be yourself. And that applies to your on-air persona and off-air. On-air, when I started doing highlights, I felt I was trying too hard to be in a sportscaster's voice like this. Welcome, welcome, Sunday, welcome. Sunday, Sunday. Exactly. Right? And it's a monster structure. You have to find your own voice. Because people will see through that right away. Right. That was one of the first things that guys told me. Tim McAuliffe, I think, told me that when I started voicing highlights. He was like, no, don't try to be... Dial it back. Don't try to be funny when it's not there. Don't try to be... Just be you. Yeah. Um, the other thing is those who stay in the business and find ways back in if issues happen or layoffs happen, which happen right. a lot in our business... The ones that people like to work with are the ones that get back in, regardless. And this is on air and off air. But on the on air cases, is if you were on air and you were hard to work with, might not see you again somewhere else. Right. You know, um, but off air as well. If, if people want to work with you, they'll step up for you. And it's you don't realize how much of a team business broadcasting is until you're doing it. Um, when I got to do one of the things I got to do, one of the awesome things I got to do play by play for university sports for a year or two. And you're just part of a team. It's such a team behind you. You hear the announcers, but, and even at Marley's, like we're all like one big team. You hear and see the hosts and the voices, but there's a team behind you that you're representing. And if people want to work with you, that'll help you stay in any business long, especially broadcasting simon we've been friends for like 10 years now this is so we're nice. old dude we, we I'm, gonna, both I'm, old. I'm gonna look at the ceiling again that's really high i wonder uh i i feel like i gotta say things i wonder what the insurance on a place like this is <laughs> because that's what old guys do right i'm starting to do like the with current music oh i don't like this current stuff i like my old yeah music. i'm a big time curmudgeon all these like, Drake like, songs sound the same it's Ugh. too loud turn it down I don't know why kids are out past 10 o'clock on a Saturday. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm uh, <laughs> Gareth. When Gareth was on, we joked that we're two old men sitting on a porch. And uh, I think we can add a third chair. Uh, you can come join us anytime you want. We have well lost our hour. Really glad he came in. We like to finish the podcast, though. Little with a little thingy, and I've just started including. It's kind of a two-part bit, so it works perfectly to include the guest. I'm going to say, everyone, be good to yourself, and you're going to remind them to eat your vegetables because, to me, they're one and the same, and it's all about focusing on yourself and being good to yourself. So, everyone... What am I, Hulk Hogan here? Please, please... To me, you are. Please, please, The look he just gave me was so creepy, everybody. (laughs) That was just like... Be good to yourself. Eat your vegetables, brother. (laughs) Woo! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.